Well, I want to welcome all of you to our Wednesday night Bible study. Those who are in here with us, as well as those who join via video over in Stevens Point and Parts Unknown, who watch us on the internet all across the world, actually. Kind of fun stuff. Our Wednesday night Bible study, we take a book of the Bible, we go through it verse by verse. Really try and open it up, figure out what's there, what it's all about, put it all in context. Now, we are in the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, the Acts of the Apostles, and see how they acted. And uh, we are at the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, and uh, we have been hopping around a little bit as Luke is telling the story, going from Peter over to Saul, who's gotten saved, we've seen Philip, we've seen Stephen, you know, whatever. Um, now we're, we're kind of back on Peter here at, at the 10th chapter. And <clears throat> interesting part of of the bible we've actually i've gone over this before with you uh i can't remember when we were back studying galatians or whatever but we'll do it again um it's uh it's it's a major turning point in the history of the church and it's a fabulous turning point a very important turning point because it allows all of us to get in on this wonderful thing called grace and salvation and jesus christ up to this point all christians were jewish the only hope of you becoming a Christian was to become a Jew. And if you would become a Jew, they were thrilled with that. Fabulous, great, no problem. But if you weren't going to be a Jew, then you couldn't get in on this at all. And uh, it's, it's really up to this point that, uh, you know, that's why, you know, sometimes you hear these morons who claim to be Christians say, we, we're tired of all these Jews who want to get back to God-given Christianity. Well, you're an idiot saying something like that. You know, because the whole thing was based on Jews. You can't just say that Jews are somehow, you know, some of these white races who are, they're, they're for Christianity, but they're against the Jews. Man, you are dumb as a brick thinking in those terms. The whole thing was written by Jews. Jesus had a Jewish mama. Makes him a Jewish little boy. I mean, to say you're for Christianity and hate Jews, you've got to be just as dumb as conceivably be. Um, and at t- up to this point, if you weren't even... A Jew, you couldn't even get in on the deal. So now, this is the big step now. Can people who are not Jewish be saved? That's what the church is going to wrestle with. Obviously, we already know the answer because we're here tonight. Uh, and it was a major deal because it was at that point that really Jews, Jews at this point were tolerating Christianity. It was actually considered a Jewish sect. It was a form of Judaism. That's what Christianity was in the beginning. It was just like you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then you had these people of the way. They didn't even have a name for them yet. But it was a Jewish sect. You still were Jews and stuff like that. So it was all cool. It wasn't until these guys started letting in scuzzy people like you and me. Who were not uh, Jews. And Jews were, I mean, these people were very strict. You talk about having a sense of where you come from. These people had it big time. And they kind of felt, and even traditional, very uh, uh, fundamentalist Jews to this day, very conservative Jews, think of Gentiles just, you know, a notch above, you know, animals. You know, you got, you got chickens and squirrels and stuff, then you got Gentiles, then you got Jews. You know, this is kind of, kind of the pecking order. Um, and when Christianity started becoming filled with non-Jews, you and me, that's when Jews wouldn't have anything else to do with Christianity. It wasn't that they had a hard time accepting Jesus as the Messiah. This is not a true statement. 
uh, you know, and people who say that don't really know what they're talking about. They, they, it wasn't so much that. That didn't bother them so much. It was that they would let us in on it. And, and without becoming Jewish. And they had a real hard time with that. So anyway, let's pick it up. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, uh, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Okay, here's an Italian guy. Not a Jew. Got to watch those Italians. All right. <laughs> How many of y'all Italian out there? Italian descent. Anybody? Here's one. There can't be too many right here, y'all, already. <laughs> That's us! You know, they're, I love Italians. They're loud and intense. Actually, it was fabulous. I, I traveled all over the United States and Europe. Deb and I, when we first became Christians, back when the dinosaurs still roamed the earth. And, uh, you know, we, we were in Sweden for a while. In fact, our daughter Leslie was born in Sweden. You know, and they're just wonderful, fabulous people. Just, you know, I really stood out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, loud, intense, that kind of stuff. And then we kind of worked our way down through Europe. And when I got to Italy, I thought I died and went to heaven. Here's a whole nation of people louder than me. It was fabulous. I loved it. I thought I died and went to heaven. I knew I shouldn't have been a Puerto Rican. I should have been Italian. Because these people were yelling and screaming all the time. It was fabulous. You know, even when they were getting along with each other, they were yelling. And they speak with their hands and it looks like they're flipping each other off constantly, you know, but they're not, you know, just, just, you know, and, and, and these, this is when they were in good moods. Uh, when they'd get mad, that was spectacular. Fabulous to watch. They were whipping knives and stuff. I mean, it's just, it was quite entertaining. I, I really had a great time uh, with all of that. So anyway, all that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm rambling. But moving on. This guy was an Italian. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now, I'm assuming that he was praying to the God in the sense of, of from, you know, a Jewish perspective. I'm not, it doesn't really say, you know, we don't know what his background, he just, he, he, just, he was God-fearing, not God's-fearing, God-fearing, only one God, so that would lead us to think um, that he had been affected by the, by the Jewish teaching. And he gave generously, great. Good guy, feared God, gave money to people in need, prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? Uh, lots of reasons for the fear. I'm sure he'd never had a vision like this before. Um, if he was new to God and faith, he probably didn't even understand what all that meant or what, what was going on. Well, the angel answered him. He said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So this angel gives them very specific instructions of where to go to find this guy named Peter. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and then sent them to Joppa. Well, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And what we're about to read, we will reread at least one other time, maybe two other times. Uh, Peter constantly kept coming back to this vision he saw. It had quite the impact on him. This is the vision he saw. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. 
And then it, it was contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. All kinds of creepy, crawly things that Jews were not supposed to eat. Remember, they were very strict with their diet. You know, the kosher diet. You know, if you've ever been around that whole thing, you know, it's very strict rules about what can touch what and what kind of salt can be on this and that and da da da. I mean, it's, you know, really, really strict. And it was part of their religious exercise. So he sees these creepy crawly things that you and I would call hamburgers. Come down. (laughs) Sandwiches on legs, I call them. Uh, And they come down. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Well, surely not, Lord. I mean, this, this is a major thing. I mean, all their lives, they've been told, do not eat this stuff. Do not eat this stuff. It is strictly forbidden. Um, and they, they were very, very anal about this stuff. You remember how when the, the Pharisees got mad because the disciples were eating grains of wheat on the Sabbath? You know, why couldn't you do that? Because you don't do that on the Sabbath. There, there are rules about what they could eat and how they could eat. One time they got mad at them because they hadn't washed their hands properly before they eaten, which moms would have liked. But, you know, there's really no religious law against it. But they, they had a cow, the Pharisees. Well, you can't do that because everything has to be ultra clean. And what went into you was of utmost importance. Of course, Jesus began to teach them, look, what comes into you is really not that important. What comes out of you is important. Because what comes out of you shows what's in your heart. For, you know, what you talk about, what you're jabbering about, what people say and how they become angry. That's what you really find out what's inside people. Um, So Jesus started challenging that, but still had not really given them the green light to go as far as they're about to go. So anyway, he freaks out. He says, surely not, Lord. I, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Think of that. Your whole life. Your whole life. Now, my dad, um, Dr. Gunger, um, my mother and father divorced. I was born to Rodriguez. Makes me look more Puerto Rican, doesn't it? But, uh, uh, and then she remarried later, and Dr. Gunger, who's actually from Istanbul, Turkey. The, the name Gunger is a Turkish name. And that's why you don't see it very often. In fact, if you Google the word Gunger or uh, look for the, you'll, you'll see me, you'll see my nephew, maybe my goofy brother Eddie, but then from then on, it changes languages. I mean, there is hardly, and you can look at a New York City phone book and not see the name Gunger pop up. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty rare from Turkish. So anyway, he was raised uh, Muslim, you know, his entire life. And, uh, um, you know, and then eventually, um, after we became Christians, he was persuaded by the change in our lives. And, and he asked Christ into his life and stuff, and he became born again. Um, but even still, even to this day, it messes with him. You just don't eat pork. You just, because it was raised all his life. I mean, if you had something, even when you could reason with him and say, look, there's nothing biblically wrong with it. He would say, yeah, but I just don't eat pork. You know what I'm saying? You just, you know what I'm saying? So this is kind of the background. All their lives, they had these strict rules. So he says, Lord, I've never done any of this all my life. And then the voice spoke to him the second time, saying, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Well, now this is very confusing. He sees creepy crawly things, says go eat it. No, I haven't eaten anything unclean. And God says don't call it unclean if I've, I've made it clean. Well anyway, this happens three times. And immediately the sheep, was, the sheep was taken back into heaven. So while Peter was wondering what in the world was that, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. So while Peter was still thinking about the vision he'd just seen, the Spirit of God says to him, Hey Simon, there's three guys looking for you. 
So go, uh, get up and go downstairs and do not hesitate to go for them for I have sent you. Why would he have to tell them this? Because they're Italians. Watch out for them Italians. Could be mafia. No, I'm just teasing. But uh, they were Gentiles. That was, didn't have to be, it could be anything. It could be German, Puerto Rican, Swedish, didn't matter. You weren't Jewish and these guys do not hang with people who are not Jews. They kept a very strict separation policy. So all of a sudden these Gentiles show up and say, you know, uh, they would normally not have anything to do with them. Well, the Spirit of God says, look, I've sent these guys. They're here. You go with them. Don't hesitate. Well, so Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who was respected by all the Jewish people. Okay, so there. There's our cue that it was keyed off of Jewish religion that uh, he was respecting. A holy angel told him, Uh, to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. All right, big step, even inviting these guys in. Well, the next day, Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. Everyone is kind of nervous and jiggity about this because Um, this is, you have to understand it. This is is racism on steroids here. But it's religious racism. I mean, it's, but they were raised thinking this way. Because in the Old Testament, this is what God says, keep separate from these people. Don't have anything to do with them. Why? Because when they got involved in other cultures, what happened? Throughout the Old Testament, you see, they get pulled into their gods, into idols, and, and, and the Lord was very strict with them. Say, just don't deal with it. Stay separate. So, you know, this would be like, I don't know, pick a period of time in, in America. Back in the 1920s, 1930s, somebody in the South, a white guy going over to... Uh, go into a black person's home. I mean, it was like, wow, you just don't do those kinds of things. It was like that, and probably even more so. So they went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Well, this made Peter freak out. He said, stand up. I'm only a man myself. Don't worship me. So Peter didn't want anybody praying to him. Take a note. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. (laughs) So he starts out by saying, I really shouldn't be here with you people. This was his introduction. You know, this is really breaking the rules for me. I should not be here. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So he got the connection. That's what God was talking to him about. Showing him the creepy crawly things. Don't call it unclean if I call it clean. Okay, he's got to be talking about people. Hence the Italians show up. Okay, I'm in an Italian house. Okay, 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 okay. So, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Uh, May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. Who lives by the sea. Anyway, he sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. Now, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him 
and do what is right. Now this is all a big revelation to him. This is amazing to him. And an angel appeared to you and sent you. Well clearly there's only one, you know, there's only two armies. God's armies and the devil's armies. If an angel from God shows up and talks to you and sends you over to my house and, and God spoke to me to say to come with you. I mean clearly he realized God was now speaking to these people. And it was just amazing to him. That he accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what's right. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth in the power and with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. And we are witness. By the way, look at how he's talking. He says, you guys know this stuff already. You have to remember, when Jesus was there, it was a big deal. Remember, tens of thousands of people clamored to be around him, to see him, to touch him. He did all these miracles everywhere. Miracles, remember, raising people from the dead, healing. You know, that, it's hard to keep that stuff in a closet. Some people had heard about this everywhere. So he starts out by saying, he said, well, you guys know this stuff already. And, and started pointing him to what Jesus had just done. He says, now we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Again, over and over again in these sermons, they always went out of the way to, to distinguish how men treated Jesus, but how God treated Jesus. He says, they killed him, but God raised him up. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. In other words, he's the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for, the Christ. Well, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. There's the ding, 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 ding. There's the gospel. There's the good news. What he's saying to ultimately this Messiah who come, those who will receive him by faith, who will believe in his name, can have forgiveness of sins. That is the fundamental message of Christianity. And it is incredibly good news. That's why it's called the good news. Good news, why? You don't have to buy this. You don't have to earn it. In fact, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. Unlike all the other religions in the world, including Judaism, that required all the rituals and stuff like that, you get into Christianity by believing in Jesus Christ, trusting him as the Messiah. I mean, that's fabulous. So anyway, while Peter was still speaking these words, now you got to understand, he didn't have an altar call here. He still wasn't quite sure about something. He didn't say every head bowed and every eyes closed and let's repeat this prayer after me and the organ's playing and everybody's a religion. You know, he just keeps preaching. Well, these people have the audacity in the middle of a sermon to get saved. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? You know, I, I'm not done preaching yet. And, uh, and, and how he knew, now this is really significant, because we're going to come back and talk about this a little bit later as we build into the book of Acts. While he was speaking the, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. How did he know the Holy Spirit came on them? Was it this quiet little inward reflection? Did they start just glowing in their eyeballs? Did they just start smiling big smiles? How did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it says the circumcised believers, in other words, the Jews, who had come with Peter, were astonished 
that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. How do they know? How do they know they got the Holy Spirit? See, now if you brought your Bibles with you, you'd already know. Right? Instead of looking at the big Bible on the screen, you guys are already ahead of me. You know how they know, right? Now we'll let the rest of you in. They're on the rest of the story. Because they heard them speaking in tongues. Ah! And that just for holy rollers? They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So now check it out. So far, we've had a couple of interesting uh examples of what's been going on in the church we know on the day of Pentecost there was this big wind blowing around and things on people's heads looked like fire and they started speaking in tongues okay then we know when Simon the sorcerer remember he saw Peter laying people his hands on people they were, they were receiving the Holy Spirit it doesn't say what was happening but they knew something was happening because he offered him money give me the power so I can do that to them too of course he got in big trouble for that um you know, so we've seen one thing. We know something was happening. It didn't always say what was happening, but they always referred to that there was some external evidence. Now, we can't say conclusively that it was always speaking in tongues, but they're starting to build a case here, and we're not done yet. There's a lot of other examples here that the one seeming common denominator uh, was that they spoke in tongues. Now we can get into a debate whether or not we need to speak in tongues today or whatever. That's a whole different debate. But I'm just saying, this is clear. They knew immediately they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they started speaking in tongues. Uh, Paul, we know, uh, received the Holy Spirit. Doesn't say what happened, but we know he spoke in tongues. Because in Corinthians, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. So we know that was true for him. So this is, some, this is kind of a consistent sign that we're seeing. This expression of praying in tongues is being tied to this experience of the Holy Spirit. When charismatics and Pentecostals and stuff refer to this in these terms, it is not without foundation. This is in fact the biblical uh, standard. Now you can argue whether or not that's always the case. And as we get into this, I'll give you more of my thoughts on that. Uh, I'm not. Quite, some are extremely dogmatic on it, and there's even some say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. You know, I mean, there's some real extreme, wild things about that, um, which I think is ridiculous. And again, I'll try and address this more in the future. But without question, we're seeing a pattern here. And not only that, but there's a, a distinction between um, salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit. Usually, but in this case, it was simultaneous. They knew they'd gotten saved because they started speaking in tongues. Uh, but they hadn't been baptized yet. It's real interesting. In the New Testament, there was three questions that they would ask them. Number one, have you been saved? Have you believed in Jesus? Number two, have you been baptized? And number three, have you received the Holy Spirit? And I want to keep pointing those out to you because these are three distinct experiences. A lot of people today, and I'm actually going to be talking about this uh, in the future teachings is... is uh, uh, th- this summer uh, talking about some of the fundamental things that we believe about Christianity. I'll, I'll be doing that on, on Sundays and stuff. But uh, um, it, is a, it is a distinct thing that we have. You know, have you been saved? Have you been baptized? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Remember, Peter was sent up to pray for the people because they'd gotten saved, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. Okay? Now this is important because a lot of people will tell you that all that really matters is that you just pray the prayer. And believe in Jesus. Well, it's a starting point. You need to believe. You do need to believe. And you'll hear me on Sunday say, look, if you will pray this prayer and believe, you can 
begin your first steps of faith today. But it's just the beginning. Um, you know, you need to show that your life, in fact, has been changed. You can't just, just saying a prayer isn't going to guarantee your ticket into heaven. But three of the major things. One of you, if you've believed in Jesus, you need to get baptized. I say, well, I was baptized before I believed in Jesus. Well, that's really not what the Bible teaches. You need to be baptized. And have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? You say, well, I'm not sure if I have. Again, we'll talk about this more as we get going into this stuff. But you just got to keep seeing there are three distinct things that are happening here. Well, anyway, as soon as they hit him speaking in tongues, because obviously they were getting saved, Peter says in verse 47, well, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. They start speaking in tongues, man. Let's go get them. They kind of cheated a step here. Let's back up. Let's get them baptized. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Okay, now, the next chapter. Remember, these chapters and numbers were added later. But uh, The next chapter says this. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Wow! Hochimama! That's like, that's made. This is major to them. This is the idea that you could just be a Gentile and get saved and you start being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and get baptized in one. It's like, holy cow, that's amazing. Well, what happens? So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers just praised God and said, this is fabulous, this is great, we really love this. No. The circumcised believers, referring to who? The Jews criticized him. They criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them? (laughs) I mean, this, this is beyond the pale. You don't swim in the same swimming pool with these people? You don't have anything to do with these people. Oh my gosh, you what? Did they care that they had expressed faith in Christ? Nope. Did they care that the Holy Spirit just fell on them and they started speaking in tongues? Did they care that they all said yes and they went and got baptized publicly proclaiming their faith in Christ? Couldn't have cared less. What fried their little pancakes? They went into a house with uncircumcised people. They were more concerned about the condition of their weenies (laughs) than their hearts. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, that's what religion does to you. It gets you more nitpicking about, well, what about this? Well, what about this? I remember when we first got saved back 1970, whatever. And we were young, but we were just all a bunch of hippies. And uh, we were. <laughs> In fact, we were hippies for Jesus after we got saved. Our first house, Deb and I's first house for the first year of our marriage, was an 8 by 10 tent. It really was. See, even in the winter? Even in the winter. We'd have to melt the ice off the uh, zipper so we could get out in the morning. I mean, we were hippies, and we loved it. It was cool. And we were a whole bunch of hippies that loved Jesus. Hippies for Jesus. We're just we were Jesus freaks. And and we were just we were digging it in the but anyway. So we did not look like your typical Baptist, I gotta tell you. 
Okay? Are you hearing me? You know, the typical Assembly of God guy would just look at us and go, Ugh! You know, I, I know what this feels like, you know. We had long hair. And we would come to church. <laughs> You're all going to hell for that. You know that. <laughs> you realize that right now, right? Yes, I had hair at one time. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just dreading the day they put those pictures up on the screen. I know it's coming. And I will be persecuted mercilessly. But had hair every which way but loose. And it was just... <laughs> had a life of its own. And we had long hair. And we, we came to church without shoes or socks on. And holes in our jeans. And t-shirts. Kind of clean. And we would sit, and we'd sit in the front row. Because we'd want to know more about Jesus. And there were guys who just railed on us. Preachers who railed. Churches who wouldn't let us come in the door. Who would have nothing to do with us. Who would get up and just, you can't come in here with your long hair. It's an abomination to God. Just going psycho crazy. We're more concerned about the condition of our shoes and our toes than about our hearts. Oh, I remember it well. We had a lot of static in our music. Oh my gosh. <gasps> it has a beat. <laughs> I kid you not, to this day, because it's, it hasn't really been that long, 30, I guess it depends on your perspective in life, 35 years. I, I guess that's a while, but it doesn't seem like a long time ago to me. But People would just have a cow. They would have nothing to it. Every time I'm in a worship service like ours, or I go around the country and I hear different worship, and they have a band up there and, and guitars and doing solos, everybody's just praising God. I just shake my head going, <laughs> they would cast the devil out of us. For such thing, we we got so much static for our music and our hair and our you know just they didn't our, our conditions of our hearts were of little concern to them. Why? Because it's about religion. You gotta be, you gotta look the same. You gotta, you gotta, you don't have a tie, dude. I don't even know how to tie a tie. You know, I mean, <laughs> un, I mean, this you just. Any of you remember those days? Any of you were Christians during those days? You remember the static we got? They would—they gave us crap like you cannot believe. People who were busting. You know, here's the amazing thing. These people, and God bless them. Most of them have gone on to their reward. And now the Lord's hitting them. But anyway. Uh, These people, they would just have such a cow about these things. Here these people would pray and pray and pray. God, send a revival. God, send a revival. Move over our nation, oh God. Bring people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Ping people to our altars, crying out to you, God. Oh God, send us a great and mighty revival. That's exactly what they preached. Remember, Lathan, some of you geezers back there? And then God sent a revival. And they freaked. What, what, what is this? I'm sending you a revival. But we didn't want it to look like this. <laughs> we thought they'd come in clean. 
We thought they'd come in with short hair. We thought they'd come in with ties and suits and stuff. That's why you still hear me rail about this today. Man, I don't care what you look like. I mean, just so you don't smell too bad. You know, or sit on the end, you know, if that's the case. Man, I just don't care. God's more concerned about your heart. We don't have to look the same. We don't have to have a cookie cutter look about ourselves. And thankfully we got involved in a church where they didn't care. And they just reached out and loved us. And, and it was fabulous. But boy, some of those people. And it was like that for these guys. Here this miracle happens people getting saved coming to christ who had never been raised in the jewish faith god saving them getting baptized filled with the holy spirit and all they could do was criticize them because you went into their house and you ate with them well that was a big thing remember eating what went in you was everything physically what was in you that was all it was about that's what made you clean or unclean uh and they were just a mess. Well, Peter, in verse 4, began and explained everything to them precisely as it, as it had happened. And we get to read it again. <laughs> I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying the spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them these six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and to say send to Joppa for Simon who was called Peter does this sound a little redundant <laughs> we get to read it all again he uh, will send you a message through which you and all your household will be saved as I began to speak it's interesting because he actually had to defend himself in that he wasn't trying to convert them. How odd is that? I wasn't trying to convert them. I was just talking to them. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the very beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, how did they know that? They spoke in tongues. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance to life. Now, they had no further objections right then and there because this did not end. And the more they thought about it, the more trouble they had, they couldn't get over it. They couldn't let it go. Not all of them, but a significant portion of them just couldn't get over it. And Paul referred to them as the Judaizers. And that's what we read in Galatians. These guys who went, who were believers in Jesus, went around and just 
persecuted Paul and gave him a hard time and kept going in to these churches later and saying, okay, it's okay if you get saved, but you have to become a Jew. You have to get circumcised. You have to watch what you eat. You have to obey all the old rules of the Old Testament. La, 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 la. And Paul, of course, you remember when we read in Galatians, remember, he starts out about four verses into the deal. He says, I wish these guys would just go to hell. Remember that? We said that. Get the tapes. A little bit further, he says, and I don't care who they are talking about these believers in Jerusalem. Remember he talked about Peter. He said, I challenged Peter to his face for being a hypocrite about this. Because even Peter, who had this experience later on, still had a hard time with it. And when he was around Gentiles, he was one way, but when the other Jewish brothers came up, then he'd, he'd pull away from them and try to act religious again with the Jewish guys. And Paul rebuked him to his face. So I, you know, I wish these guys would be eternally condemned. I don't care who they are, including Peter. And then he finishes it up with, he says, I wish they would just emasculate themselves. Cut their wieners off altogether. That was it. We went over this thing. This, this is how angry Paul was. He says, you want circumcision? I'll show you circumcision. <laughs> I'm working on a book on it right now, actually, on the whole book of Galatians. Talking about this whole thing. The whole message. Cut your wiener off and go to hell. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's how angry he was. And because these guys, they let it go right now, but they wouldn't let it go. They kept trying to turn them into the Jews. They couldn't stand the fact that they weren't doing the same religious stuff they were doing. Anyway, moving on. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution. Remember, that's when Saul came along and started persecuting the Christians. and They scattered everywhere. All those that were scattered by the persecution connected with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message to who? Only to Jews. Again, they would only... Even Paul, interestingly enough, he says, you know, I'm an apostle first to the Jews and also to the Gentiles. Even he, when he would come, the first place he would go to is he'd go to the Jews and to the synagogue first. And then he would go to those outside. So they, they, they had a sense of, you know respecting that anyway but initially these guys went everywhere only to the jews some of them however men from cyprus and cyrene went to antioch and began to speak to greeks (gasps) telling them about the good news about the lord jesus and the lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the lord all kinds of people started getting saved this was radical stuff this is two thousand years ago people had never heard such a thing you mean i can experience salvation i can experience forgiveness of sin i you have to remember these you talk about racism and not just racism but also basic caste systems i mean if you were born in a certain economic social economic status you couldn't get out you were stuck in there for life you were born either a slave or a free man and you were kind of stuck in these statuses all for life and and only the real special people got to and the christianity comes along and says god loves you just the way you are And you can become a child, a joint heir of Christ, if you'll just believe and trust in Christ. This was radical stuff. And people embraced this by the thousands. They turned the world upside down, I'm telling you. It's truly amazing from a historical perspective what these early Christians did. And how in such a short period of time, Christianity took the world by storm. Because this was fabulous news. Good news. Life-changing news. And all of it was at the same time, not just based on their words, but by the demonstrating power of the Holy Spirit. Miracles like crazy. People getting healed, people getting delivered. I'm just stuff that we've already been reading and will continue to read. Amazing stuff. This is what transformed their world. 
Anyway, news of this reached the ears at the church of Jerusalem. News of what? These guys going around and preaching to, the, to all these people. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Remember Barnabas? Talked about Barnabas earlier. He was one of the guys who sold some property and gave to the church to help everybody so everybody could have their needs met. Um, he was the one who uh, took Saul because nobody would believe that Saul was a believer and Barnabas took Saul in and said, he's a believer. He's got the real deal and he, he brought him to the apostles. So this is this Barnabas. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of the people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Is that for me? And And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Again, if you're ever in a Bible trivia question. Where were Christians? Where did the first, first name Christian pop up? Antioch! That's where it comes up. This is the first time now that we've got this name. And as you can tell, it stuck. We are called Christians. Well, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And he points out that in parentheses, that this actually happened during the reign of Claudius. Well, the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Uh, um, interesting here. Now, the implication here is that these were Gentile Christians would be getting saved, Barnabas checking on him and Saul, and they're preaching the gospel uh, there at Antioch, and uh, and then these Jews who uh, were in trouble because of this this uh, famine that was coming, gets all this money that they raised to send back to Jerusalem from people that some of them wouldn't have even had dinner with. Uh, it was love. It was an expression of love. It's easy to say, I love you, uh, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. The minute it costs me something, that's difficult. If it costs me money, or if it costs me association, or if it costs me humiliation, or uh, whatever the deal is, yeah, you know, then, then I, that's, that's where it really gets put to the test. And the real uh, step of test, test of, of love, was helping them out financially during this time. Well, it was about this time that a King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. So now Herod had had it with these people. They're irritating them. Because, I mean, they weren't just people walking around talking about the love of God. They were preaching righteousness and holiness. You need to turn from sin. It's not just enough about faith. People don't care what you believe, per se. People like it when they think, well, you just can believe what you want to believe. And I'll believe what I want to believe. And we'll all be happy believers. Just everybody just believe what they want. <laughs> that you don't run into problems with. It's when you start saying that, look, unless you turn from your sins and believe in God, you're headed to judgment. Now you got problems. And people don't like that. Never have, never will. And uh, that includes some of your relatives. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and Herod now was getting irritated by these people because where they went, they loved and they shared and all that stuff, but they were all preaching what was right and what was wrong. People hate discussions of right and wrong. 
They call you intolerant. They call you bigoted. They call you hate mongers. They call all kinds of stuff. I mean, we get this as people of faith in this country all the time from people who are just anti-religious. They don't like Christians who identify things that are right and wrong. And they, they hate that. They, they, they come up with all kinds of nasty words. It's, it's not nasty. It's just God is God. And he's a righteous God. And we fight for righteousness and prevail for righteousness. And uh, we don't hate people who don't do it. But don't just delude yourself. We need to do the right things. So anyway, so Harry gets in on the deal. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Ah, there goes the first apostle. Sad. So uh, the first of the apostles to be martyred was James, the brother of John. And uh, uh, significant because later we will hear about how James led the church in Jerusalem. Well, clearly it was not James, the brother of John, the apostle, because he is dead now. It's a different James. We'll get to that when we get to that, okay? But so here James dies, and when he saw that this pleased the Jews, who were getting increasingly irritated with these Christians, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. All right? So we've got 16 guys keeping tabs on the one guy. Well, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. This is a cool story. Ooh, check it out. Well, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. I mean, this guy is surrounded. And the beauty of this, and he knows he's up for trial, they had just done what to James? Killed him. So he's figured, you know, I'm toast tomorrow. You know, was he up fretting? Was he up worrying? I got to, some of you, man, you can't sleep if you know the mortgage is due tomorrow. And you don't, you know what I'm saying? Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I gonna? He's dying the next day, sleeping like a baby. How cool is that, huh? So uh, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. <laughs> and he hits Peter. Yo, dude, wake up. Quick, get up, he said. And when he did it, the chains fell off Peter's wrists. So here he's in a dead sleep. This angel hits him. What, what, what? And he gets up and the chains just fall off of him. Cool. Okay. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Which implies he was laying in chains naked. But I don't want to go there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> definitely would have had a hard time sleeping there, you know. Could you turn up the heat a bit? <laughs> you know. Anyway... And, and Peter did so. So wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of the prison. Now check it out. These guards are standing vigilantly. All right? The penalty for letting a prisoner escape under your control was what? Yeah. They'd kill him. These guys took this extremely seriously because this wasn't a rare... If this happened, they knew guys who would get killed. If someone got out, boom. So this guy is surrounded. So he is not surrounded by guys sleeping. Death on the line, you stay awake. And you've got 16 guys around him. You've got the sentries at the gate. They're all standing there. And this angel wakes up Peter. He gets up, stuff falls. He says, wrap yourself up. So he gets some clothes on. And he's walking out of prison in front of these guys who apparently cannot see him. Isn't this cool? I'm telling you, Jedi Knight stuff. So, 
So Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I mean, it was so surreal. He thought he was dreaming a dream. Again, he'd just been sound asleep. You're walking out, nobody can see you, and he's just, wow, this is, this is amazing. Well, they passed the first and second guards. Nobody sees him. And they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And check it out. It opened for them by itself. This is open sesame stuff. I mean, this is stuff that is just, Wow. These guys, the lives, I mean, some of the miracles that, that follow them was just mind-blowing. So he gets to, the, gets to the big gate, and the gate just goes, you know, like he hit the automatic, you know, thing like it, you know, down at Festival Food or something. All right? So, and they went through it. Actually, we got one of those out there. You don't have to go to Festival. You'll go on the way out. Uh, it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Well, then Peter came to himself. It finally dawns on him. This is real. I just walked out of prison in front of people who could not see me with doors opening by themselves and this angel just disappeared. Wow. Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, John Mark, This is where Paul and Barnabas have a big fight later about John Mark. These are where all these names come from. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, where many, all these people were together having a prayer meeting. Where many people had gathered and were praying. Well, Peter knocks at the outer entrance. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, Yo, Rhoda, let me in! She was so overjoyed she ran back without opening the door. (laughs) And exclaimed, Peter's at the door! Peter's at the door! Peter's at the door! Check it out! These are like some of these religious people praying for a revival. God's in a great revival. Just the kind of people we want, actually, if you don't mind. But here these people are praying, God, send a miracle. God, send a miracle. Set Peter free. God, we pray that you set Peter free. We pray, God, that you deliver him. God, we ask for a miraculous demonstration of your power and your great hand to deliver our brother Peter from the clutches of Herod, the slime bag. I added that. And Rhoda comes. Peter is at the door. And they go, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Where is faith here? They're asking God for a miracle and they don't believe it when it shows up. He's at the door. Oh, you're crazy, girl. But she kept insisting. And they said, it must be his angel. He's dead. It's his spirit. (laughs) I just knew it was going to be awful. (laughs) Man, don't pray for me that way. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Holy cow, look at that. That's, now that's, you know, I, these people are fabulous and great in the miracles they had, but this is a bad moment here. They're praying, asking God for a miracle, a miracle, but they don't believe it. Until they finally open the door and see him, and then they're completely astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this. Wait, 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 James! He had James, the brother of John, in verse 2, put to death. Obviously, he's talking about a different James. 
who is this James? We'll get there eventually. Okay, but this James and the brothers about this. So this is James. The first time we see this guy named James, who's kind of like the head guy to go to in the church. All right. So um, he said, and then go tell James and the brothers about this. And then he left for another place. Well, in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers. I'll bet. As to what? It become a Peter. And after Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. All of them perished because Peter was able to walk out. Now you feel bad for those guys that are just doing their jobs, but... Anyway, oh, pretty wild stuff. We'll pick it up there next Wednesday. Let's have our ushers come, and we'll take our Wednesday night offering, and the musicians can come back up. Uh, Pretty wild stuff, huh? Cool stuff. Herod gets his. You can see that coming up. (laughs) <laughs> check, check it out I'm going to cheat but, but Herod he was such a jerk and, and God got so tired of him he, he struck him down and it says uh, uh, that the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died now ideally you die and then get eaten by worms if you're going to have it in a certain order that's the way to do it He did not die and get eaten by worms. He was eaten by worms and died. Whoa, that's got to be a nasty way to go. What's your problem? I got worms, man, really bad. (laughs) They're eating me, man. This is bad. Anyway, and then we get into all this other cool stuff. All right, anyway, stay tuned. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for the encouragement. Thank you for the example of these early believers. God, give us... Give us, a, give us some of this. <laughs> God, give us some of this. I know, Lord, we're, we're not apostles, and I know we got such a long way to go. But God, give us a piece of this stuff. Give us, help us to see more miracles. Help us experience more of the life of God. But also help us to love each other more like these guys did and, and to be committed like these guys were. It all comes together, Lord. Make us the kind of people that you can just freely dance among the hand of God can just freely move because we live in such a place of faith and of love and of commitment to one another and to you. Oh God, we pray for this in Jesus' name. Bless this offering, we pray. Help us to advance your kingdom, oh God. Bring the funds we need, Lord, to advance this dream, this vision of reaching out to people all over our area and bringing them the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.